You can be seated. My name is Cindy, and I am the pastor of young adults in our First Impressions ministry. And I have the privilege of um, preaching with Pastor Susan, who is our associate pastor this morning. And we are about halfway through our series called Analog Church, where we're looking at what it means to be the church in the digital age. Um, and so this week, uh, we're focusing on community. Last week, we uh, learned about worship, and we've uh, focused on scripture. Uh, but this week, we're talking about community. And to start, I want to tell you a story about my friend Beth. Beth and I connected about five years ago, and we quickly bonded over the many things that we have in common. Our favorite movies, our favorite TV shows, podcasts that we listen to, the clothes that we wore in middle school, the web cartoons that we watched in the early 2000s, uh, but also our uh, shared interest in social issues and our faith in Jesus. Sometimes Beth and I will send each other cards in the mail just because. And for her birthday one year, I sent her um, this piece of artwork that really connected with her love for children's literature. A couple other things about Beth is that she lives in New York State, and the two of us have never met in person. So aside from the cards that we've sent each other in the mail, all of our interactions for the past five years, half a decade of friendship, have been entirely online. And like Pastor Cody said last week, technology is not inherently bad, even when it comes to community. So as a church, McBick is on multiple social media platforms, and this morning to our online audience, we are using Facebook to live stream our service uh, on the internet every week. As a staff, we use email and an app called Basecamp to communicate with each other, and we also use that to update each other on the ways that we can be praying for all of you. And as a society, technology and the internet give us all the opportunity to connect with and learn from people all over the world. Without the internet, Beth and I probably would have never crossed paths. And for some people, the internet and technology helps provide a sense of belonging that is sometimes challenging to find in real life. So maybe you might be someone who looks around you and struggles to find people who look like you or think like you or have the same passions. But when you go online, suddenly you have the opportunity to connect with others who help you feel less alone. You connect with others in a way that helps you realize, oh, I'm not the only one. So through this series, you guys have noticed that we've put an older staff member with a younger staff member. There's about 20 years between Cindy and I, and I've never made a friend that I would consider, I mean, I have some acquaintances, I have some people I know digitally, but I don't have anyone that I would consider a good friend uh, that I met online. I've met all my good friends in person. I also have sort of a complicated relationship with technology. For 14 years, I worked for Cellular One and AT&T Wireless. So I have vivid memories in my early days in 93, 94, sitting in the office of the CEO of Mack Truck, trying to help him envision what it might be like to take a handheld cellular phone with him to the golf course so that he could actually work and people from work could contact him while he's golfing. 
And at the time, I mean, there were installed car phones at the time, and the handhelds were just coming out in the early 90s, and it was mostly the CEOs and the doctors that were getting them at that time. They honestly didn't work very well. The coverage wasn't very good, but it's what we started with. And I was trying to just paint this picture for him because I want him to buy one. So um, I was painting this picture for him of how he could be just at the beck and call of everyone at Mack Trucks at all times. And it sounded like a good idea at the time. Today, I would encourage people to leave your phone in the, in the car or at home when you go golfing so that you can just enjoy yourself and sort of decompress and relax. So as we talk about analog versus digital church with respect to community, we once again want to continue to acknowledge that there are some benefits that we all reap having some digital options. For instance, if you go through a short-term sickness or a family member of yours is in recovery from a surgery or from illness or long-term uh, infirmity or hospitalization or you're, you're helping to care for a loved one who lives far away, you can still tune in to your church family. You cannot miss one of the messages in a series that you're really learning from, or you can connect maybe with the Facebook page or the emails from the class that you attend, and it allows you to stay connected when you have to be out of our space. Also, traveling, uh, maybe college students that wanna remain connected while they're away at school. But I think we all need to acknowledge, too, that we do have some problems, or at least many of us do. Maybe not all of us, but a lot of us have to acknowledge there's some problems. So while technology can connect us to people from all around the world and solve some problems for us, we can still find ourselves disconnected from the people right in front of us. So for some of us, I suspect, that instead of enhancing our analog church experience and filling in gaps when we're sick or traveling or something like that, we sometimes might just get in the bad habit of not getting up and getting dressed and coming to church. And I think COVID maybe impacted that a little bit. Oh, it's just easier, I can connect this way and I'll just stay in my pajamas and I have a little more margin on my Sunday. Or maybe sometimes some of us don't want to deal with our difficult feelings related to social interaction. Or maybe we're having a relational issue with someone at church and we just want to avoid that. There could be a lot of reasons that aren't as healthy that we might stay away from church. I think most of us can acknowledge that we do grow best in community. And we need community, even the serious introverts. We all need community. And I really, really hope that we recognize that the community of God needs us. Everybody's ideas, everybody's energy, everybody's gifts and talents, the community of God does best when we are together and everybody's contribution is present. Digital connection or digital church as a replacement instead of an enhancement can negatively impact us being truly known by other people, which helps us grow and heal and become more like Jesus. It removes the risks and the benefits of vulnerability. There are risks with vulnerability, that's true, but there are many benefits. It misses the entirety and the fullness of offering gifts and talents to others. It misses the gathered corporate worship and those special corporate experiences of the presence of God you know, there's times in a worship service or in a class or while you're praying for somebody that there's a very special presence of God. 
And we experience that together, and it changes the whole community. We also miss those opportunities that are really spontaneous, a hallway conversation with somebody, an opportunity to share something that would encourage or lift up another person, an opportunity to pray for somebody else. Now, I want to acknowledge that the challenge of experiencing community in the digital age is not just in the way we substitute technology for time with others. The things that Pastor Susan mentioned, we miss out on uh, when digital church replaces our in-person community. But the challenge is also in how we see each other. In this age of social media, especially in the cultural climate of the last several years, we've started to see each other as only usernames and profile pictures. So our intern, Aria, so over there. Um, she did her senior honors project on conversation. And in her presentation, she talked about how we tend to treat each other as caricatures of our beliefs instead of real whole people. We mute and we unfollow the people that we disagree with and we dismiss the opinions and experiences that don't match our own. But the church was not meant to be an echo chamber full of people who think all the same things or even worship in the same ways or serve in the same ways. In Analog Church, J. Kim points out that among the 12 disciples that Jesus chose were Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot, two people who would have been complete opposites, enemies even. And Kim writes, at some point, Simon and Matthew must have looked at each other and thought, I did not choose you. You did not choose me. Yet here we are. And yet here they were together following Jesus. From Jesus' first followers to today, the community known as the church is and has been a body made up of all different parts that are meant to work together. And this is how Paul explains it to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 27. And the verse will be on the screen behind me so you can follow along. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. 
So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So as uh, Sydney and I went through this message a number of times this week, um, I would listen to her read that passage, and I was visually picturing like a foot staying home by itself, a hand staying home by itself, an elbow staying home by itself, and how disjointed and disconnected, and it wouldn't be able to come together and function the way that it was supposed to be. But there's a lot more in that text. In that text, Paul is talking about uh, the weaker parts. And in his book, J. Kim has two chapters on community. And in, that cha- in those chapters, he tells the story of a very difficult relational situation that he was a part of, that he ministered in. And it was a place where he was working with somebody that was in a weakness. And Paul talks about that in Corinthians. And he quoted Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and I love this, about the weak needing the strong and the strong needing the weak. Every Christian community must know that not only do the weak need the strong, but also that the strong cannot exist without the weak. The elimination of the weak is the death of community. I was, I, I, when I read this book the first time a couple years ago, I stopped, that stopped me dead in my tracks, and I just sat there with that. I was like, that's kind of a strong statement. The strong cannot exist without the weak, and the elimination of the weak is the death of community. And if you think about that with what Paul is saying, he's, he's talking about how the, the parts that are struggling are so important. And the strong need the weak as much as the weak need the strong. So when we are in a place of weakness in our lives, which we've all been, it's important that the strong turn around. If they are halfway up the mountain or on a mountaintop and everything is going well for them, that they turn around and grab our hand and pull us up. They need that as much as the person who needs pulled up needs that. That's profound. And if you'll sit with it with the Holy Spirit long enough, he'll speak to you in that. It's really important that when we are in a place of strength, that we are very mindful of how the Holy Spirit is leading us to reach our hand and help others. The elimination of the weak is the death of the community. That's how Christ works inside the community. Kim goes on then to highlight a whole bunch of scripture, little snippets of scripture, and he goes through this list that he puts together. So I'm going to kind of go through the list the way that he went through the list, and all of the verses should be up there that he pulled this from. You'll recognize some of them. Scripture implores us to speak and sing the words of God, make music together, teach and challenge one another, keep one another accountable, spur one another on towards love and good deeds, do not give up meeting together, be hospitable toward one another, experience fellowship together, pray for one another, confess to one another, eat and drink together. Now, of course, we all know that the Bible was written in a time that didn't have the context of our digital world. Now, a couple of these things, praying for one another, confessing, we could do that over email or Facebook Messenger if we wanted to. 
Um, but most of this is really about being together, and that was the whole point in, from Scripture, that we would do these things together, that we would be face-to-face -face spurring one another on, encouraging one another, turning around and grabbing the hand of somebody else. So this morning, we spent time talking about the pros and cons of digital community, how we're called to experience analog community. But what might it look like, more practically, for us to experience analog community? When I meet with college students who are getting ready to graduate or who graduated yesterday, um, my biggest piece of advice is to be intentional. On a college campus, especially at Messiah, where there's such an emphasis on community. There are countless opportunities for students to connect and build relationships with each other. But when you're no longer living within walking distance of all of your friends, maintaining your community takes effort. And that's true for all of us, whether we're students or not. And so when we connect digitally, we can do whatever is convenient, whatever's comfortable, we can respond to a text message while we're at work or grocery shopping or lying in bed. And we can comment on a friend's social media post whenever we have a spare moment or when we feel like it or not at all. But to connect face to face and to be fully present with one another requires the intentionality of coordinating schedules and picking a location and then showing up. And showing up is not just the physical act of traveling and walking through the door, but it's the way that we listen and we pay attention and we respond to each other in our time together. So I feel like we don't really need to convince you <clears throat> that we need one another and that we need to gather in person. And yet some of us are still struggling. In fact, many of us are struggling to stay in the moment and to be present. So we put together a, f a few ideas, and I wanna start by saying pray and ask God, and I'm gonna wrap up with that. Pray and ask God to give you his perspective on this aspect of your life. But additionally, choose to join a fellowship group if you're not a part of a fellowship group and you're an adult, or an adult group study, and or an adult group study. Participate perhaps in the young adult ministry, or if you're a kid or in, in youth, uh, connecting with your peers and your mentors, through kids and youth ministry. You can also serve in one of our ministries or missional communities. This is a, a great opportunity for you to bring to this body the gifts and the interests and the passions and skills that only you can bring. I've made some lifelong friends doing that, serving side by side, shoulder to shoulder with people in missional communities. Additionally, we have retreats um, for multiple ministries within the church. So we have a men's retreat every year. That's coming up in November. We have a women's retreat every spring, usually at the end of March. And those are opportunities where we can really go a lot deeper because we have from Friday evening until Sunday afternoon multiple messages, many opportunities for worship. But there's also a lot of time and you know, three meals a day. There's time to walk. There's time to sit. There's time to talk. There's time to listen to one another's stories. There are, there are retreats for um, high school and retreats for middle school. And our young adults have a retreat coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, so anyone 18 to 30s, you're welcome to join us for that if you happen to be around in the Mechanicsburg area. Um, additionally, we encourage you to pray for one another 
but also to go for prayer. Uh, each Sunday, you hear at least one of us mention that we have prayer partners who are stationed around our worship center. And they're there every week who are eager and willing to pray with and to pray for you. So it was hard for me, in particular, not to go down a bunny trail on tech misuse, abuse, and addiction. I kept, as we were preparing this part of the message, I kept researching more and more things. And I was putting into the Google search box um, recovery centers for tech use and abuse and addiction, and they're popping up all over the nation. I was actually surprised at how many I could find in just a few seconds, and it wasn't just gaming. Like, I've known for years that video gaming is addictive and there are recovery centers for that. There are actually inpatient recovery centers now for people who are addicted to social media and internet use. That is astounding, and it's important for us all to know, and it's important for us to confront. So I feel like everybody, me included, everybody who has become accustomed to having a device in your hand and being so connected in so many different ways, whether it be email or text or multiple social media platforms, it's hard to put it down and be away from it. So if that is something, if, you, if that is resonating with you and you feel like you need to be checked on that and maybe do a detox or just start to pay attention to how much you're there, if it's impacting your ability to socialize and grow and heal and be transformed, if you're just, you just have your face and your device all the time, I want to invite you today to tell someone, maybe tell the prayer team and ask for prayer for that. Another thing that we can do is uh, to invite someone for a meal or for coffee, whether that's, you know, we're making advanced plans to join someone for breakfast in the, in the middle of the week, or more spontaneously, you decide to go out to lunch after church, inviting someone to come along with you um, as a way for you to get to know each other um, more personally and to experience community while you're breaking bread together. We can also show up, just pay attention to what's going on in the community, whether it be in your class or some, some of our uh, social media pages. That's a good use of uh, social media where we can stay in touch with problems or needs that people are having, but then kind of come off of that and go help serve. So show up in times of need or suffering with practical help with a meal to help somebody move. Uh, encouragement, somebody puts a prayer request on one of our pages or through email, sending a card to them, or calling somebody on the phone or maybe visiting or praying with them on a Sunday, offering a listening ear. Also showing up in times of joy as we celebrate one another's victories. I loved hearing that Cindy went to Aria's honors presentation and heard the whole thing. She's done that a number of times with different people when they, when they present something and it's an open invitation. She'll show up to support them. We can also reach out to the widows, widowers, college students, and single adults, people whose closest community uh, or closest family, whether that's by like actual physical distance or emotionally, um, is the church, um, that their closest family might be the church. And invite them to join us um, and to be a part of our families, especially around holidays or other celebrations to ensure that they won't be alone. We can give people the opportunity to connect with us by being unhurried on Sunday mornings. Cindy wrote that one, and that, that too was quite convicting for me. 
I'm off, I'm very task-oriented by nature, that's my personality anyway, so I'm usually trying to move from one task to another, from one thing to another. But I was like, wow, that is kind of convicting for me. Showing up a few minutes early, not being in a rush to get out, leaving room for connection and conversation on a Sunday morning or when we're in a, a small group on a Wednesday night, just showing up to be present with other people so that you can both receive and give. That's where God is working. And here's a challenge that uh, you can do today. You can finally learn the names of the people who sit near you every week. I know that I know for me personally, there are some people that I see week to week. Um, I sit near them or I sit in front of them, behind them every week, and yet I don't know their names. Um, that's been a challenge for me since becoming a, a pastor on staff because now I'm wearing a name tag. People know my name or they just you know, are familiar with me as being on staff. There are a lot of other faces for me to learn, but it's also important for me to get to know your names, that I can greet you, um, not just as a face in the crowd, but as a person who's a part of this family. If you want to make that really fun, you could get to know the people around you, and after you've mastered that, you could move, and then you could get to know <laughs> some new people that way. That would be a lot of fun. It would probably really mess with Lane because he's kind of used to seeing you all where you normally sit when he's usually preaching. We could also take one step this month to engage in face-to-face -face community. So if you're somebody that's overwhelmed by big changes, a lot of us are, one way to do that is to take one little step at a time, kind of master that, let that settle in, and then take one more little step and master that and let that settle in. So earlier in the message, I mentioned how technology is not inherently a bad thing. And so as the worship team comes up to lead us in a time of response, and, and this might feel a little ironic, but I want to share two digital tools that are available to help facilitate our experience of analog community here at MCBIC. So first, if you go to any page of MCBIC's website, which is mcbic.org, you can scroll down towards the bottom of the page and find a place to subscribe to the communique. So the communique is a weekly email newsletter that Pastor Lane sends out with updates about the life of the church and also upcoming events where you can connect with each other and connect with other people face to face. And then second, we're actually gonna be rolling out a digital church directory where you'll be able to find names, photos, and contact information for people at MCBIC. So that way, the um, names and faces that you're starting to get to know on Sunday mornings, that you have a way to reach out during the week to uh, coordinate a time to meet for breakfast or for lunch, um, that it goes beyond um, the connections that you make here on Sunday morning, but that you're getting to know each other more deeply face to face. Um, and that'll, having it digitally will allow us to update um, more regularly as more people join this body. And so this week you should receive an email from Sherry in our church office um, uh, uh, inviting you to opt into the directory and then also choose what information you want to make available. So the goal for us is that um, digital would enhance our experience of being able to remain connected, that it wouldn't impede on it, it wouldn't take the place of it, it wouldn't rob the body of Christ, of Christ being present in us. 
I'm very aware as we were preparing this message, as I was praying, as we were uh, sharing this morning, that there's likely people in the room um, today or online that are feeling um, kind of stressed by this message. Oh, you want me to uh, go outside of my comfort zone or to challenge things. Yeah, I got to be honest, I do. We've spent um, a lot of time in our staff meetings as we were preparing these messages saying, well, we don't want to offend various groups of people and, you know, technology really is good and those sorts of things. And that's true. But if technology or something about the digital world, even if it's like tech use, misuse or abuse, if something is standing in the way of you really being fully alive in community where you can give and receive and others can receive from you, um, I just want to encourage you to seek God. He is gentle and kind and loving and he knows you. And he wants to take you by the hand and help you take a step so that you can go a little bit deeper in him and in this community. That might mean healing. That might mean confronting some things. But that's okay. God is here to help us do those things. And we are here to help one another. That's how we grow. That's how we live. That's how we thrive. So as we go into our time of worship, I want to encourage you to invite God, who is always kind and gentle and loving. He's not wagging his finger at anybody. I want you to invite him to talk to you about what's going on with you in community. Is he asking you to take a small step? He is loving and will be with you, and we want to help you. Um, the whole church does. We want to help everybody become as connected in their body of in the body of Christ as they can be, and especially to give and receive and use your gifts here. So, Father, thank you so much, God, for the sweetness of your presence here this morning, God, already in our worship, and God, in this invitation to grow and be challenged by you regarding community. God, I just want to affirm your design. God, you put us into community. You put us into families. Jesus demonstrated this when he gathered the 12 and did ministry together of those diverse people. God, your idea is that all the generations would work well together, the kids, the youth, the young adults, the adults, and the seniors. God, that we would all serve you together, grow together, learn together, and love together. God, wherever that needs challenged, we invite you to do that in your love, in your concern for us this morning, so that we can step out and, and just receive and give more than what we have been, God, if we've been in a place where we are pulled back. And God, I do pray in Jesus' name that if there's uh, someone here that is uh, dealing with um, an addiction or an abuse regarding technology, God, that you would give the grace and the power to be delivered from that. Lord, I thank you for your love for us this morning, and I welcome you into our time of response. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs> 